We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van And here we go. Happy New Year, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm CVV, Chris Van Vliet. Super grateful to have you here with us for an amazing conversation. And I know that when you saw the name Scotty Tuhati in the title, it was just a rush of nostalgia for you because let's be honest, Too Cool was one of the best tag teams of the Attitude Era. And Scott Garland, that's his real name, is just an amazing guy. And this was an incredible conversation. And he had been working in WWE for the last bunch of years. Actually, he'd been working there up until about a month ago when he asked for his release. He had been working in the Performance Center, developing some of the up-and-coming talent that we'd been seeing. But as you'll hear in this interview, he just wanted to get back into the ring. And that's exactly what he's doing now in 2022. Give him a follow on Instagram. He's the Scott Garland. On Twitter, he's the Scotty Too Hottie. That's the number two. And if you don't follow me already, I'm at Chris Van Vliet. Our fan of the week is Budaman1086, who says, an industry leader. CVV brings you one of the best interview styles. His genuine personal approach is so great at getting people to really open up. The content is evergreen as well, so you can easily go back through the back catalog and enjoy older episodes whenever you want. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you so much for the kind words, and I read a review on every single episode. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go in there, leave a few words, or if you have left a review, go back in, leave a few new words, change something up, and it'll go right up to the top there. Also, if you listen on Spotify, did you notice that Spotify now has a rating system? So not quite a review, but a rating system on there. And it would take less than a second. If you could just go in, click five stars, it'd be so incredibly appreciated. And I've said this before, but I don't have a Patreon. I'm not asking for money on PayPal or Venmo. I put all my content out there for free. So the very least you could do is leave a review on here and just also make sure to subscribe to the show on audio and also on video on YouTube. And let's dive right into this. I I loved this conversation. Check out the video so you can see how beautiful the background is. Just a gorgeous December day in Florida. He's there in like a tank top with palm trees around him. If you're in a part of the world right now where it's a little bit cold right now, that'll warm you up. Ladies and gentlemen, Scott Garland, a.k.a. Scotty, 
too. Hottie. Oh, man. Look, what a beautiful day here in Florida. Yeah, it's nice, right? I, I mean, half of the rest of the country is under snow, and here you are in a tank top. And I mean, this is <laughs> December as we're recording this right now, but pretty incredible. That's what I was going to say. It's hard to believe it's just after Christmas, right? Yeah, it's amazing. By the way, have you like found the fountain of youth or something? You do not age. <laughs> no, I don't know what it is, man. I just, uh, I, a lot, I've got a lot of compliments on that since posting some of the newest stuff, and uh, it's really cool. Um, I just, I don't know. I just try to eat healthy, and uh, never been a big drinker. Don't smoke. Don't, never been a drug guy. So uh, maybe that's it. I don't know. Like I train, I train almost every day. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's that Florida sun getting that vitamin D every day. <laughs> it could be. I don't yeah. know. Because a lot of wrestlers go out of the public eye for two, three, four, five years, 10 years or whatever. And we see them again and we're like, oh, wow. They like they really haven't been taking care of themselves. And like yeah. you're like Benjamin Button over here. Oh, thanks, dude. I appreciate it. It's well, uh, you, what's... you put out this video like you're launching your new YouTube channel, which, by the way, everybody right. should go subscribe. And the link is down in the description. And I think people went like, not only do you look like youthful, like you look like good and really happy. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I, I am like, um, it's, it's like, what a crazy time in my life. Like I'm taking this crazy step and I know a lot of people think, oh, what, you know, what's this guy? I'm 48 years old and I'm going back into the ring. But I feel like if I didn't feel like I could go and deliver, I wouldn't do it, you know? And it's, it's, it just felt like uh, the perfect time to do it. Thanks. Is it that you just missed being in the ring? Is that what it was? Yeah, I missed being in the in the ring. I, I, you know, I never, I never said I was retired. I took the job as a coach with WWE um, at the Performance Center back in 2016. I had my last match in August of 16, and that that was it. I, I, I never said I was retired, but I also never saw myself. As time went on, you know, we were five years later, almost six years later. I never saw myself really having another match again, um, and I was okay with that. Honestly, I did everything. I look back at some of that Attitude Era stuff in the video, and it's crazier than what I even remember it. So I go, you know what? Nobody can ever take that away from me, right? Like, I was, my, my career peaked at the peak of professional wrestling. You know, it was such a cool time with such a cool energy and such cool characters. And um, so I felt like I did everything that I ever wanted to do. But, you know, I missed, I missed the traveling. You know, NXT wasn't doing any live events. We weren't traveling at all. All the TV shot in-house. I wasn't traveling. Um, I wasn't having fun anymore there. And uh, I saw people outside, uh, you know, from AEW all the way down to, you know, small independents having fun. And the independents are on fire right now. So I started asking around and, you know, what do you think I could make? And, you know, I was doing the numbers. I was like, dude, I think I can, I think I can go out there and kill it. And there are very few guys from the Attitude Era who's still going, you know, Al Snow, the Headbangers, Billy Gunn, you know, Val Venus does a little bit, Godfather does a little bit, but there's very few that are, are going. So I was like, man, I, I can still deliver, you know, so I'm excited. It's it's, yeah. it's a really time, cool time and thought went into this because you know it's got to be tough leaving a sure thing, which is the job you had at the PC. Right. Yeah. No. It was maybe the uh, just seriously the last couple months, probably from you know from the pandemic. Once the pandemic happened, you know all the releases started happening. I think the releases took a big toll on me as a coach. You know, I never had any idea how much. Uh, how much I would love that job 
and coaching people and they become almost like your children. Right. So, um, and then, you know, you see them getting released, you have to create these relationships with these people and then, you know, they get released and, you know, you don't, you're finding out about it on Twitter with everybody else. Here you are, you've built this relationship for years. You're their coach. And, you know, I have my buddy from Nashville, who's not even in the wrestling business, texting me going, Hey, releases are happening again. So here I go, I jump on Twitter. And then there's somebody that's in my class that I was sitting with three hours before, you know, and that's how I'm finding out. And, and I'm like, hey, this is not, this isn't cool. So you're you finding know? out at the same time that everybody else is finding out. Yeah. 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 There's not like a company wide email that's sent or anything like that. No, towards the end, they started doing like a group text where they would let everybody know. And that, and that was one of my, well, that was one of my beefs when I, when I left, I don't ever want to know before the talent that's getting released knows. I don't want ever want to have to face somebody, but I, I just felt like, Hey, once it's done and they know, can't you send something out, you know, to uh, have an intern who's sitting beside the person who's doing the cuts, send a text to their coach and go, Hey, just want to let you know. Cause there were me and other coaches had had talent texting them. Hey, thanks a lot for everything. And we reply, oh, you're welcome. Well, you know, it's great having you. It's great having you in class. And we think they're talking about, you know, being in class today. And they're talking oh. about, yeah, no, I just got cut. You know, so I think that took its toll on me. Um, and just, I mean, just so many, so many releases. And I, and again, it was just, I, I just wasn't having fun. And uh, and uh, I saw people outside having fun, which which appears to be, appears to be fun. You know, and well, some people like it I, from the outside looking in, Chris. You go, okay. You, this guy's leaving the largest wrestling company in the history of the world to go back and wrestle in bingo halls and Knights of Columbus halls. And I, you know, and those are the bad, you know, some of them are the bad ones, you know, you never know it's gig life, right? You never know what you're going into when you take a booking, but you know what, dude, at this point in my life, if I get to go wrestle in a bingo hall in Poland somewhere on somebody else's dime, I'm there in a second, you know? So this is the thing, like, Everybody who watched you in your career saw how much fun you were having in the ring. And for you to say that you weren't having fun in your day-to-day life, I mean, it feels like a real disconnect from the Scotty Too Hottie that we all know and love. Yeah, and it was, so So don't get me wrong, it was like the last month, you know, six months to a year where it started to get that way. And it wasn't like it was every day and it was this horrible thing. It's just, I don't want, I don't want that to be what people think about when they think about me. Cause I had an awesome career, like 30 years from day one, you know, from the first time I stepped into a ring, a WWF ring in 1991 to now it's 30 yeah. years. And I did some awesome, you and I wouldn't even be talking if I hadn't gotten there, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, it, they gave me a platform to make a name. They gave me a platform to be able to go out and do what I'm going to do now. And I'm thankful for that. You know, I just don't know if the, if the thought is reciprocated, I don't even know if Vince McMahon knew I worked there. <laughs> you, know? <No. laughs> you know, so I mean, five years on the contract, you know, they never did, and, and dude, like they never did anything with me in those five years as far as the Scotty Two Hottie character, you know. So I, I, I don't know, you know. Yeah, you would have been the perfect Royal Rumble return. You would think, but yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think uh, they or he believes that. So for whatever reason, and you know, that's it's his company, it's his opinion, and. You know, and that's what I keep saying. You know, like anything I disagreed with is, you know, is whether it's the way they wanted us to train the new talent or whatever is it's it's their company. So it's either I, I I train their way and do their thing and just take the paycheck, or I walk away. And you know, I chose to walk away. And honestly, like it's one of the the most proud the most proudest moments of my life to being able to say that I, I walked away on my own. Yeah. yeah. And congratulations. Cause there's a lot of people that hear that voice in their heart or feel that feeling in their gut. 
and then they just don't listen to it. And right. like, you should be really proud of yourself that you, you are following your gut here. Yeah, no, thank you. I am. I am. And I think it's, uh, I don't think I was, I was being a good uh, example to my kids to just go in and do something. Cause I've always told them, don't do something for the money, you know, do it for the love and the money will come if you love it. Because you, you know, that's what happened with me. I never did it. Never wrestled for money. You know, of course you hope to be rich and famous and all that good stuff. Right. And, yeah. and, uh, but that wasn't why I did it. I just loved professional wrestling from the time I was 10 years old up until now. You yeah, know? I still does the, love converse, good for- does the conversation have to happen with Matt Bloom? Is that who you have to talk to? Yeah, that's 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 who uh, you know. I had my final meeting with, and uh, and uh, you know, he gave me gave me the release. I you know, I went into his office, told him I wanted my release, and and they gave it to me pretty easy, honestly. And uh, and you know, I, I really think they probably thought that I was going to AEW or something, but that I had. I, I have no, I had no solid plans other than like asking around to my friends, you know, what do you think I can make on independence, you know? And, and, uh, so here I am, you know? <laughs> so if the independence are the next step, have you thought about, you know, what the step after that's going to be, you can't wrestle forever. Right. 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 Well now, so, so again, like almost six years, I've been a coach at the performance center, one of eight to 10 coaches. Right. And, and so now I have that in my back pocket where I can go in, I do these independent shows and then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell Rumora, I'll do a, I'll, you know, I'll do a seminar during the day. Um, and there are very few people out there that can go, Hey, this is what they're looking for in there right now. You know, all these coaches and whoever can tell you, if you want to go to WWE, this is what you want. Right. You know, I'm, I'm one that can tell you what it actually is right now. And of course that changes from day to day. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so maybe I'm wrong, but, but, uh, Dude, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, so this is the thing with that. Like I, um, I've struggled with that for when I was 40 years old, I was like, I saw 40 coming, you know, and I was like, oh man, like I'm still wrestling. I'm doing independence. Like what else am I going to do? I went, I put myself through fire school and EMT school. And I thought, you know, that what a great transition because most firefighters work 24 on 48 off. So I could do that job, have a pension in 20 years and then, um, still be able to take my bookings, yeah. you know, it's because you can move your schedule around pretty easily with that job. And so, so I went through that whole thing with a fire EMT and then I started volunteering to try to find a job and it just, my heart wasn't in it, you know? And then I ended up going through um, real estate school, got my real estate license. And uh, you know, again, that wasn't it. And then right after that happened, that's when the performance center thing happened. And I went back there. So again, so here I was at 48, you know, you getting older, like you said, like, what are you going to do after? And it's, I don't think when you're in, when you're going a hundred miles an hour at WWE, it's hard to think about anything else. Right. So I go, okay, this will, I know I can make some solid money in the wrestling business over the next couple of years. And it'll give me a lot of free time to figure out, okay, what's that next step? You know, I don't know what it is, but um, I don't think you can really figure it out until you have that time to do that. You know? Yeah, I'm so curious. You mentioned you're the guy who knows what WWE is looking for because you were there. What is WWE looking for right now? Uh, today? I mean, today, I, don't know. Yeah. I, left, I left there a month ago. So when I left there, it was like they want young. You know, they want younger. You know, they want they, they, they want young. And I, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Like, how old is They want help? people that have, like, have been in a ring before? Does that matter? It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it, right? Mm. You know, I know they're, they're they're doing tryouts for people who have never done this. They're they're hiring hire, hire, 
hiring these college athletes, you know, and uh, I, I have always said you can't teach passion and you need passion to do this because no matter how much money you're making, if you're on the road doing 200 shows a year and then you're traveling at the end of that loop every weekend that adds another, you know, 50, 52 days a year, you're looking at 250 to 300 days a year on the road. Like, so no matter what you're making for money, you need passion. So I don't, I don't, I I honestly think it'll swing back the other way at some point. They go, ah, where, where are all the men at? You know, we need men. Like, and then you'll see this wave of, you know, guys who look like men a little bit older and have a little bit experience, you know, like, I don't know, putting green on green in there is, is, uh, on live television it's a scary gamble you know yeah well there's this clip of triple h out there that i think rubbed people the wrong way where he said as weird as it sounds we're not looking for wrestlers we're looking for the x factor we're looking for it and i think a lot of wrestling fans went what what do you mean you're not looking for wrestlers you're right i mean i think probably what he meant i haven't seen it but probably what he meant is is uh what, what I've always said, like wrestling doesn't sell tickets. It's the moments, it's the characters, it's the storylines that sell yeah. tickets. If you look at every boom in the wrestling, whether it's the Hogan era or the Attitude era, um, it's based around awesome characters and great storylines, yeah. you know, just like any movie. And it doesn't matter how old they are, you know, and that's, I've struggled that with that a little bit as I go back out. Um, like, do people really want to see a 48-year-old guy trying to look like 2000 Scotty too hotty and you know as fun as it sounds and I think there may be some some situations where that would work you know certain appearances or whatever I don't think I don't want to be that guy you know so I go maybe I, I kind of recreate the character um, I mean they you know don't give me that I know they own the, the character and I know all that stuff right but there's always there's bits and pieces of it that were me you yeah, know can you still use Scotty too hotty not legally. So you're going to be like a... Scott far too attractive. Yeah, yeah. I always say, oh, no, I'm lukewarm now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to go by? Just Scott Garland? I, I, I've got Scott Taylor. I've got Scotty Taylor. I've got Scott Garland. Uh, I, th- I thought about S2H, you know, just Scotty. Like, here's the thing, Chris. I think the like, you know, 20 years ago, if a guy left, oh no like you can't what do you call them but now with social media and everybody has their own platform to be their own promoter you know and that was part of what the youtube channel was for and what the latest video that i put out on all my on the youtube channel you know kind of showing my career um bits and pieces of my career um it's just it gives me a platform to be my own promoter you know and i can put out there whatever i want to do zach Ryder or matt cardona he's dude he's the king of it all right like he kind of you know, and I've talked to him a lot. Like you can, you can promote yourself, you know? Yeah. Like, and when you, when you talk about passion, your story is incredible. Like the idea that you wanted to be a wrestler so badly as a kid that you were writing letters to the WWF to basically be like, Hey, how do I work there one day? Yeah. When I was like 15 years old and I, and I got a reply from Sue Agenson, you know, I still have the letter that Sue worked and she still works there, you know? Um, which is crazy. Uh, but no, yeah, I mean, I, my first memories are like right around the first WrestleMania, you know, and I can remember going to the, the video store, you know, it wasn't even Blockbuster, right? You go to the, you know, like everybody had the mom and pop video store and going yeah. and getting the VHSs of WrestleMania and WrestleMania 2 and watching those. And and uh, I can remember my dad taking me to the Cumberland County Civic Center in Portland and, 
the very first show I remember was and- Andre was there and I was like five years old. So this was even before the WrestleManias, you know? And, uh, and then the first show I really remember was right after the first WrestleMania where I was really into it. Uh, the main event, I think it was, uh, Orndorff and Steamboat versus Morocco. And, uh, who else would have been in that? I'll think of it, but it was in that same group, you know? Yeah. Um, and from that point on, dude, I was hooked, like hooked. Like I played baseball and football a little bit, but wrestling was all I ever wanted to do. And then, you know, seeing Savage Steamboat, WrestleMania three, I'm like, that's what I want to do, you know? And then the rock, when the rockers came along, I, you know, compared to everybody else, then they were probably what, 225, 230 at the time, but they looked like small guys on TV compared to everybody else. Like, Oh, those guys are my size. You know, they're about my size. I can do this. And then I met him in person and like Sean towered, it felt like he towered over me and was like a giant. But, um, but it, that once, once those guys came around and that style with like Pat Tanaka and, and, uh, the rockers and, you know, Owen Hart and the high flying guys started to come to the States and you see, see more of that. Um, that was, that was it, man. I was done. Yeah, you've got a little bit of a Shawn Michaels look, I think, going on right now with the scruff and the hat. <laughs> I get it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I get. It. And then, uh, and then a couple of weeks ago, I knew I was going to have um, lunch with Rikishi for the. I see him for like the first time in six years, so I was like, oh, I know wow. we're going to do a picture, so I'm going to dye the goatee up so it looks like I did before. So I do the, I do the goatee, but the hair's like this, right? It's the blood, long blonde hair, and. Uh, Every comment was almost looks like Tiger King. So I was like, all right, do I want to look like Shawn Michaels or do I want to look like Tiger King? <laughs> <laughs> you know, when Jack, you were, when you were coming up, there wasn't this path to be a pro wrestler like there is now. You know, if someone wants to be a pro wrestler, there's probably a wrestling school within driving distance from where you live. Where were the first steps that you took? Well, Kowalski had a school, you know, like I said, I grew up in Portland, Maine. Kowalski had a school just outside of Boston. And that, that was about two hours from us. And uh, had a couple of friends that they were looking to do wrestle too. We, we drove down there a couple of times to see his school. And I, for whatever reason, we didn't end up having much to do with it. I don't know what it was, but uh, I remember we worked out there one time with him. But uh, what we ended up doing was we built a little makeshift ring in my mom's garage with like 18 mattresses. We found all these mattresses, built a ring, like three, three rows of three. Then we laid down uh, sheets of plywood, then another three rows of three, used my dad's workbench as a, as a top rope and had another mattress in each corner. So we could go into the corners and that's, and it was a tape called secrets of pro wrestling out that kind of taught you the, um, the basics, you know, and then we just went from what we saw on TV and then, um we went from there you know we just we i always say like i was a backyard guy before there was a there was a word for it you know yeah where did you officially like find a wrestling school though i never did we never we never went to i never went to a wrestling school we we uh, what happened was we met this guy from uh wwe who uh at a at a wwf house show was standing in line to get food and he was behind us and he had a ring crew shirt on so we started talking to him and we got to know him over the years and uh so we would uh go and help him set up the, the ring and then he would go to lunch or whatever after he finished up and he said hey you know i didn't say you could get in the ring but and he would leave us there and we would just get in the first the first real ring i was ever in was the wwf ring and this is like 14 15 years old 
Probably well, 50. This would never happen now. <laughs> oh my God, right? Like it sounds like a legal legal problems written all over it. Right. So so we would get in there and mess around until somebody came in and tossed us out. You know, and I can remember uh so this is in, again, this is in the Cumberland County Civic Center in Maine. And uh WWE had a uh, an afternoon show, but the traveling show of cats. The Broadway show Cats was in the same building at night. So like all of the cast and crew were out in the arena, just sitting in the, in the stands and we were in the ring having a match, Man. you know, messing around. So like, that was our first, uh, first, uh, you know, performance in front of a crowd. But what happened was it was this guy who had bought Rocky Marciano's. So he says boxing ring. Um, and he was converting it to a wrestling ring and he was going to start doing shows. And he saw us in there messing around, you know, exchanged numbers and kept in contact. And sure enough, short while later, he said he was going to do a show and booked us. And, and it just snowballed from there. You know, we did his show with a couple of the wrestlers on, on the real independent wrestlers and met them. And then, you know, they helped us get a book done other show. It just snowballed. And then that's how it forever went. You know? Man, I think most fans are obviously going to know you best as Scotty Too Hotty, but who was Scott Taylor before Scotty Too Hotty? What was the character? Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I don't know. Like it was, you know, like the generic kind of, wrestling guy? Kind of kind of a Shawn Michaels wannabe, I guess. You know, I, I definitely a Shawn Michaels wannabe. It's all coming right? full circle here. Yeah, for sure. Dude, and then I end up working a day job with him at the performance center. Exactly. You know? like, like talk about a crazy and I, I said that to him. I go, This is crazy. I work a day job with Shawn Michaels. And you know what you know what his you know what his reply was? <laughs> he goes, I work a day job. <laughs> yeah. goes, it's crazy. I think I work a day job. I'm like so true but what a, i mean what a crazy life man like uh you know and and like he was like he was the guy for me he was like my idol grow you know growing up from you know my through my teenage years and uh so to be able to you know get to work with him at the performance center and be around him and you get to know him and and uh it was just awesome you know it's a, you know, just crazy life i've had you know yeah whose idea was it to make you go from singles wrestler to tag team and pair you with brian christopher that was, we were just thrown together at that WrestleMania. Was it 14 in Boston? No way. Uh, we were just thrown together as a team in that battle Royal, which was also crazy because he had been a heel up to that point and I'd been nothing but a baby face, you know? And then all of a sudden we're just thrown together. I have no idea why, you know, I was going to, I think it was supposed to be a one-off, but uh, I had actually wrestled as um, Scott Too hot Taylor on the Indies a few years before. And uh, I pitched the idea to Vince McMahon in catering at WrestleMania 14, I said, Hey, you know, thanks for putting me on the show. Like I know, um, you know, I know, you know, Brian and I together to, you know, he's too sexy, you know, he'd been wrestling as too sexy forever. And then, uh, you know, I used to wrestle Scott too hot Taylor on the, on the independence. And then sure enough, you know, like next TV, we were thrown, thrown together in a match on like shotgun Saturday night or whatever that show was at the time. And, and they called us too much. And yeah. then it started evolving from there. Was there ever a conversation where they were like, Scott, how good is your dancing? Um, no, they just said, hey, we want you to do this celebration dance with Rikishi after. And dude, still to this day, I have never danced in public as myself. Like, I'm terrified. Like, if like you say, uh, 
<laughs> you know, never, ne- you know, I skipped like my high school dances, uh, you know, maybe like a little slow dance with some girl as a teenage kid, you know, but never like a fast dance. Like I'm still like, so, so what you saw was me basically making fun of like the drunk white guy in the clubs, like trying who thinks he can dance at like one o'clock in the morning. That's what I was doing, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I, uh, I will say, like, I did get into the breakdancing, you know, when breakdancing was big back in the 80s or whatever. And that's where I learned to do the worm and the backspin and the moonwalk and all that stuff. You know, that's so I, I incorporated that in. And it was all just kind of started as me goofing off on live events where I just try to pop the other guys and get a reaction out of them by, you know, doing the worm in the middle of the match or, you know, doing the moonwalk or whatever. And it was, but it was getting a reaction from the crowd, you know, so when I knew did, I was on. When did you something. decide the worm should be a signature move? Um, it was once too cool started. Um, and, uh, I just started again, like I would just lay the guy out by the ropes and I would hit the other ropes. I would stop, put on the brakes and just drop down and worm across to either drop an elbow or headbutt. I was toying with all this different stuff, but I, I was getting a reaction from the crowd that I knew I was onto something. And then once we, they really started with the too cool stuff, um, I was just high, you know, I laid the guy out and I was hopping to the other side of the ring. Just, you know, that's how I started doing it. Then, you know, there weren't four hops. It was just hop. And one night on Raw, Jerry Lawler said W-O-R-M. And then I asked him if he would keep doing that. Sure enough, you know, a few weeks later, a month later, it was, the crowd was doing it along, you know. Wow. So did you watch it back and see Lawler doing that and going, oh, yeah. that works? Yeah. yeah. I heard I heard the playback. And then I, I just I asked, went to him and I asked him to keep doing it, you know. so. It's kind of crazy. You know, Brian's dad is the one that helped get the worm over, you know? Well, and it's so funny. And you always hear so many stories like this where it's it's the little things, right? And here we are 20 years later talking about the little things that happened back then. <sighs> Dude, it's still it's still about the moments. And you, the wrestling has to be solid, but it's the characters and it's those moments that people don't forget. You know, you think like Hogan Rock. WrestleMania, right? Like, what do you remember? I was there. I talk about it all the time. I was too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But what do you remember? And what gets played back? It's the stare down between the two, right? Like they weren't even touching each other. Literally just talking about it. Right? Right? It's it's those moments that people remember. Like I watched the match, you know, over the last couple of years. And, you know, they go outside. They brawl around the outside. I think they use like the bell or something over by the bell, a chair or something. Like just this brawl. Like I don't even remember that. They didn't even remember that part of the match, you know? Um, you know, for us, it's the worm, it's the dance, it's the stink face. It's, you know, like I said, now more than ever, the wrestling part has to be solid, but people want those characters. They want to be able to relate to somebody, you yeah. know, and, and, and feel if you, whether it's wrestling, you know, music, comedy, whatever it is, if you don't have a connection with that crowd, you don't have anything. That's the most important thing. Like yeah. you got to be able to connect with that crowd and make them feel what you're feeling. If you can do that, look at dude, look at Hogan. Hogan never did a moonsault or anything, right? He just, he was the best at being able to connect with an audience. Yeah. And this know? is why you are going to knock it out of the park on the indies, because you are selling a very large slice of nostalgia to everyone who's just going to eat it up. Yeah. yeah. And I'm looking forward to it. And, and like I said, like, how do I reinvent this whole thing? And And I don't have a problem at all playing... You know, like I said, I'm 48 years old. I don't have a problem playing that into the whole, the whole factor of the character. Like, like uh, using this whole, 
you know, if they want to call it a comeback or whatever they want to call it, like I keep calling it a continuation because I hate that a comeback just feels so like overused and like, uh, like, but I don't mind using any of that, whatever, it do, whatever to make those people feel something and feel like they're part of something special, like whatever it is, man, like that's, that's my job now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Have you been booked for WrestleCon yet? Um, I don't believe so. When is that? It's the WrestleMania weekend. Oh, yes, I am. Yes. Oh, well, then there, I was going to say, if you're not there, yeah. this is a huge yeah. missed opportunity yeah. by whoever would be bringing yeah. you in. Yeah, no, I'll be with Dave Hero and Al Snow and that whole crew. I so. will also be with you guys. Oh, good, man. Collar good. and elbow and fan do belts. Yeah, awesome, dude. That'll be fun. It'll be a fun oh, this is amazing. Why we should have, we will do this in person then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, this um, is so yeah, exciting. I'm looking forward to all, all that. Like, like I don't know, maybe some people look down on it, but I'm looking forward to all of that stuff. Like I was so excited, like to get my cameo set up and to get my you know, pro wrestling t-shirts store set up. Like all that stuff just sounds so cool to me that this is just stuff that was never there. Yeah. Even five years ago. I mean, I guess like pro wrestling tees was coming onto the scene around that time, but it's just all these platforms now for, for guys like me to, to make money and, and, and still make a living at this, you know, and, and dude, as long as I can do it, as long as I can deliver and not feel like I'm a shell of myself, like, I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't think anybody wants to be that guy, but, yeah. but, um, I, I will keep doing it. Like I, I'm, pr- I'm booked right now, booked pretty solid into April with a, um, bunch of days in the UK. Um, I had four, four countries in the four countries in four days. And uh, I was like, I, I contact my buddy uh, is promoting a whale, uh, a show in Wales. And I was like, dude, do you mind moving that show to the weekend before? Because four shows and four, you know, four, four countries in four days, like it's, that's going to be rough. And I, I want to be a part of doing this. Like that's like a WWE schedule. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. Be like, okay, I don't even know where I'm at right now. I want to be able to go out and enjoy this. So I'd rather do a show here on Saturday, have a day off, you know, see some stuff, hang out 
you know, find a coffee shop, go talk to someone like that's the cool part about doing this for me now is just being able to enjoy it a little bit more where it's not going a hundred miles an hour. So, so that's what I'm doing, you know, Wales, Ireland, Scotland, um, and England. Um, and I'm I'm I hope all those are in the UK. Uh, every time I post something, like I get so worried. Oh like, yeah, oh, not, maybe I'm you just sure say in Europe. In this. Yeah, yeah, somewhere on planet Earth. I have four days. <laughs> <laughs> Was you there know? a specific moment, Scott, where you were like, "Oh, this tag team they just threw together with me and Brian Christopher is really taking off." I think it was. Um, we were getting good reactions when we were with we were doing the too much stuff. You know, we, we were getting good reactions then, but it still didn't feel, every match we ran, it didn't feel like it was for us. It felt like we were there to help somebody else, you know, progress and get along, put them over, whatever. Um, once we switched to Too Cool and uh, they put Rikishi with us, that first night that we did the dance together, I just remember coming in the back and I don't, I don't even remember what it was. I want to say it was upstate New York. I can remember being out at the loading dock of the arena after we were waiting for the cars to leave and uh, talk to Rikishi and be like, that was, that was magic. Like something was special about that. Like, and then as soon, you know, just it's that, that snowballed fast, you know, and it was, it was, it was just, it was crazy because the three of us were, um, I mean, on the, on the chopping block, I think at the time, you know, Brian, myself, Rikishi, they weren't really doing anything with, with, with any of us and then they put us together and it just it just clicked i mean from the outside looking in rikishi it didn't feel like that would work with what you guys were doing and for whatever reason it was lightning in a bottle yeah and that's what that's something i would tell my my guys too guys and girls you know as a coach is don't ever because if i said to you hey chris i'm gonna lay this guy out by the ropes and then I'm going to stand over him and I'm going to run in place for like 10 seconds. And then I'm going to hop to the other side of the ring and I'm hoping they're going to spell out the word worm. And I'm going to drop down and I'm going to do, remember the old breakdancing move, the worm. I'm going to do that across the ring and I'm going to stand over and I'm going to go, who, 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 and I drop this lousy looking chop across their chest. On paper, that sounds awful, right? So what I would tell my guys, just don't tell anybody about it. Just go out there and do it. Because sometimes you don't know if you feel something's going to work or, or you, you, you know, you have an idea. Don't let anybody shut it down. Just go out there and do it. And, you know, probably 90% of the time it's going to fall. It's, you might fail, but it's that one time. All it takes is that people's elbow or the, or the, that people's eyebrow or the worm or the stink face or whatever that thing is. Al Snow with head, like whatever that little thing is, like you'll feel it. And, and the audience will feel it and the office will feel it, you know? Yeah. And it's those moments. It's like that. This is something now that, you know, this will be your trademark thing for the rest of your life. Cause it's not just the worm. It's not just too cool. It's the hair, it's the goatee, it's the dancing, it's the sunglasses, it's everything. Right. Yeah. I always joke that I'm going to be like 75 years old doing like wrestle cons and they're going to be like, Oh, Scotty Tiotti's here. And like I roll up in my wheelchair. (laughs) 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 So, (laughs) so, I would have maybe picked a different name at 27 if I thought about that part of it. <laughs> now, see, the great thing about Scotty Too Hottie is every single person named Scott has now been called Scotty Too Hottie at some point in their life. Yeah, it's crazy, right? I can't tell you the people I've met over the years that tell me, oh, that was my nickname when I was growing up or, you know, so it's, it's, it's cool. You know, and it's just something that I, I can remember. I think it was ro- like Road Dog and Adam Bomb. 
calling me Scotty too hotty just in the back, you know, way before I ever used it. And then one night uh, when we were too much, um, we were doing some, uh, something where I, Brian had a match and I was on commentary and then we did it again the next week. And when I came out the next week, I said, Scotty too hotty is back on Sunday night heat. And from that point on, it kind of stuck. And then short while later, we started the too cool thing. And I remember saying to Vince Russo, Hey, if we're going to change the team name, why don't we change our singles names too? Mm. Yeah. And that's, then that's when it all happened. Yeah. What is your favorite memory of Brian? Um, honestly, I have this picture from, we were never close, never close. And the first, uh, after I was released in 2007, we did a weekend for Hermie Sadler in the Carolinas um and we did like the rock and roll express some tournament rock and roll express tournament and uh and brian just the very first night it was over it was three days long the very first night he showed up and he was in a bad place you know i could smell it on his breath you know he just like he, he was a mess and uh by by the time sunday rolled around we had a big fight in the locker room not a physical fight just a verbal argument and uh I was like, dude, I don't need this. Like, it's, we were just very different people. And we went ourselves, we didn't speak for five years. And then, uh, and then we, our very first appearance back uh, after that five years, he pulled me aside and apologized for everything. And, and, uh, I, you know, we both apologized. And, um, and then, you know, over that, that the next few years, I felt like we got closer than ever. But I had my, I brought my son. It was me, Rikishi, and Brian in the UK. We did a bunch of shows together. And uh, I, I had my son with me, and who was like probably 10 years old at the time. And I have a picture of Brian showing my son Keegan how to use the payphone. It was an actual payphone, you know, and he's putting the coins in. And I have a yeah, picture yeah. of it. So it's from behind of both of them. But I was like, this is cool like you know that that other brian like and see him work with my son like he was he was in a good place you know he was in a really good place he cleaned himself up and uh and uh, so so it was really towards the end that we we got closer than ever and uh yeah and i also was just kind of taking it everything with a grain of salt because he was always late you know if we said hey let's meet in the, in the lobby at the hotel at one o'clock to go to the show you know i'd be down there at one o'clock no Brian, no Brian. I'd go up knock on his door. You know, he'd he'd answer the door like half asleep. But you know, but so like, but it, I just didn't let it bother me as much as it once did. And uh, you know, it was sad. And I knew, uh, I knew, you know, towards the end, it was it was getting worse and worse. And uh, you know, he had the fight with um, who was the dude from uh, T. He had to fight with somebody from um, one of the TNA original guys. I can't think of his name off the top of my head now um beat him up real bad um you know and i don't know the whole story behind it but whatever happened happened he got beat up real bad i saw the pictures of that and then you know he was arrested again i saw his that last last mug shot that i saw of him i knew he was in a bad place yeah. you know because brian always knew that his whenever he was arrested he knew his mug shot was going to get publicity so he'd always be smiling right because he knew the news especially in memphis where his dad was king like literally like you know like he's so famous in memphis yeah um 
uh, he knew it was going to get publicity. So he would always be smiling or laughing in his mugshot. And that last one, he just looked weathered and beat down. And I just said, man, he's not in a good place. And then that's when he ended up passing away in jail, you know? So you were never close with him when you were on the road? No, we never, we never, I've always said we never roomed together, but then I just remembered that we did room together at Owen Hart's funeral because the company paid for us all to go out there. So they doubled everybody up in rooms and they just, because we were a tag team, I guess they just threw us in the same room together. But that's the only time that I can remember wow. never rented cars to never, him and Rikishi uh, traveled together a little bit. But uh, for me, I was always with Kane or Edge or Funaki. Like, was this just a case of like your personalities just didn't mesh or was there actually issues when you guys were a tag team? No, there were really, we were just different people. You know, he liked to go out. He was a party guy. I was never a party guy. Um, he, this is, I think part of Brian's problem, and this, you see this happen a lot is he, I think liked Grandmaster Sex Aid better than he liked Brian Lawler. So he liked to live that character you know, 24 seven, you know, we would do shows where he would leave in his gear. Like he would have the two cool stuff on. We'd be sitting in a restaurant like, dude, what are you doing? I'm embarrassed, you know, like, um, but that was, you know, that was Brian. And I think he just, he went down that bad road and, and um, just could never get away from it, you know? Um, but we never, you know, I just, I was never into that lifestyle or um, I was a theme park nerd. You know, <laughs> you still like, are. I still am bigger than ever. You know, hey, you're yeah. living in the right place for that. Right. Right. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Do you think you could tilt your camera a little bit? It's just all sun. Yeah, I was going to say that sun's killing us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you, you can block it with your head. You say my head's that big? Yeah. <laughs> there, there we go. There we go. You're right. <laughs> what is the, what is the best theme park in Orlando? Oh. <sighs> My favorite now, just because I live here and I, I, you do them differently than you do if you're here on vacation. You probably vacation, do them differently when you have kids too. Yeah. Yeah. But like, once you live here, you go all the time. You don't I, like some, there's times I'll go and just, we'll go get dinner, walk around, people watch. And so for that, it's Epcot, uh, which I hated as a kid because there aren't a lot of rides. There, yeah. There's not know, a lot of rides, but there is drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, we do Universal a lot now. Um, Magic Kingdom is just so crazy packed all the time. It's, it makes it hard to enjoy. But uh, I, dude, I love them all. You know, SeaWorld. We, we went to SeaWorld uh, Christmas Eve. Like we always, we have fun at all of them. I have a feeling that SeaWorld's not going to be existing in the next handful of years. I don't know. They're, it was packed the other night. They're, they've, they've, they're, they're, they're doing pretty good, but. Yeah, there's something about going to Epcot, especially like I'm a Canadian, so I yeah. always go there and like, like, oh, it's a little slice of Canada, or at least a, a slice yeah. of Canadian stereotypes here. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in there. that's that's what's fun about there. Is you go around to all the different countries and get all the different foods and everything. So, what, I love it. What, what is your favorite ride? God, I, I like the Disney, the classics at Disney, like the Haunted Mansion, the Pirates of the Caribbean, Caribbean, however you say it. Um, but uh, yeah, and then you know, uh, the Tower Terror at Studios or Rock and Roller Coaster at Studios. Like, um, the older I get, the less of a roller coaster guy I become. I think you start to think more as you get older. You know, man, I wonder if they tightened that bolt today. I wonder if they welded that track back. You know, <laughs> coming coming from a guy who jumps off the top rope and you know bumps around yeah, the ring. I don't even do that anymore. You know, after my neck surgery, I barely went to the top rope anymore. 
you know, um, I didn't feel like I had to do it. You know, I didn't have anything that looked all that good off the top rope. <laughs> <laughs> also, for anybody who's listening right now, you're at a dog park, right? That's what we're yes. hearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Is your dog Sorry. back with you now? No, I don't know where she's lost now, too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my girlfriend has the dog, so. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Is there anything you can't do in the ring now at 48 that you could have done at 28? Um, probably not. I mean, I mean, there's stuff I could do that I just wouldn't do. Like I used to do the, um, the Owen Hart entrance on my, off the top rope, you know, the, the backflip land on my feet. And, uh, I just, it's just not worth it. You know, <laughs> one of those deals where it's just, is you know, everything we do is, is risky anyways it just it's the, the risk the reward is not worth the risk on some stuff you know i could do it I could, i'm sure i could pull it off you know because i'll do it every once in a while mess around in the pool with the kids or whatever just you know do a backflip off the edge and i know i can do it but it's just is it worth it yeah. you know when yeah. you were spending that time in the performance center who was one of your students who you really developed a connection with and then you were so happy you felt like a proud father when they made it easy uh Rhea ripley and uh, Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez and my two, two that I feel like I uh, helped the most, you know, um, I mean, you know, you talk about a reward. Yeah. I see Rhea doing interviews. Now people will tag me and stuff where it's like, she'll say like, you know, I was her, like a father figure to her. And like, I mean, dude, how much, you know, how much better can it get than that? You know, so, so cool. It could just, there's certain people you do, you gravitate to and you create a relationship with and you see them grow. And, you know, she was a 20 year old kid, something like that when she came in and I've seen her grow up over the last few years, you know, both her and Raquel, you know, and, uh, and it was the, my last show that I produced for WWE was the, uh, WrestleMania on sale. Uh, just over a month or so ago in Dallas in uh, Cowboy Stadium. And the last segment of that show was Rhea and Raquel standing in the middle of Dallas Stadium in the ring together. And that was my match, you know? So, yeah. um, I mean, talk about awesome closure. It couldn't be any better than that, you know? Yeah. What's the advice that you got when you were coming into the business that you're now passing on when you're working with these young stars? Um, probably slow down and you don't understand that until you understand it. Like, yeah, he's just an old guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And, you know, even thinking back, I can remember, oh, you got to slow down. Don't do this. You know, like you think they're trying to hold you back. I think, 
when it's mm-hmm. happening, like, oh, he just can't do it. So he doesn't want me to do it, you know? But, and even when you say slow down, and I always wonder if I explained it correctly, when I'm telling people to slow down, it's not slowing down the way at the speed you're running across the ring. Slow down in between stuff so that the crowd can digest it and enjoy that moment. Like if you do a huge moonsault to the outside or whatever, you can do it, but give them a moment to react and, you know, look at their buddy and go, holy, did you see that? Oh, that was great. And react from it, you know, but if you go, oh, moonsault, pick them right back up, throw them in the ring, go to something like you didn't give them time to react. It's almost like a comedian telling a joke. If you you set up a joke and you hit that punchline, but you don't give them time to laugh, and you rush mm-hmm. to the next one, it's the same thing, right? And that's hard to, that's something that's, it's, it's hard to teach because when you're new and nobody knows who you are, the only thing you're really getting reactions from is, is the moves. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you do a move, oh, I got to do this move because I am getting a reaction from it. Yeah, you're getting a reaction, but are you getting it for the right reasons? Like, you know, you can take them on a, on a, on a, on a ride and tell a story throughout the match and get the big reaction as a payoff. You know, that means so much more, I think. Yeah. People often refer to the WWE style of wrestling, which is right. what you were teaching for six years. Right. In it's your what opinion, I grew up on. You know, it's what how I grew different up on. is it from the AEW style that we're seeing? Um, I think it's, you know, their AEW is uh, a bit of about what I was just talking about. Like they're, they're, um, they will do a lot of stuff where they don't, if they slowed it down just a little bit and gave the audience a chance to digest in between. And it's not everybody, some of the, uh, you know, the older guys, they get it, you know, but it's just some of the younger guys and it's everywhere. It's not just there. It's just given those moments in between and also create moments. You know, it doesn't have to be wrestling. The Hogan Rock thing was a stare down. And now you're talking about two guys who are super over. So I understand there's, but there's still like, that's what people remember other moments. You know, for me, I will, on my entrance, I always go through that curtain. Even now, like when I left WWE in 2007, I went back to the independence for 10 years. I always went through that, that curtain with a mindset that nobody out there knew who I was. Mm-hmm. because and i have to win that crowd over i have to tell them that i'm the good guy you want to cheer for me so i'll start making my entrance you know i'd be slapping hands as you're coming down the aisle and i would always grab uh, you know like a little kid's hand or wrist or somebody's you know and it, make it look like they're grabbing me and pulling me back to them you know and then you can go back to them or i would do this where i would pick out a little kid halfway down and i would intentionally miss them stop when i got to the ring look back and see the little kid and now go back pick his hand up, give him a high five. And now you just created a moment, you know, not only for that kid, but for, for that whole audience. Like, wow, that guy from WWE just took, just, he just stopped his whole entrance to go back. You know, and that's the, that's the art of what we do. And that's the stuff that it takes time to learn, you know? And I think for me, um, that's kind of becoming a lost, a lost art, you know? That kid will remember that moment forever. Sure. Right. I I heard a great phrase that I think is so applicable here. It's the little things are the big things. And I think that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to remember. I could go in there. I could take a chair, do a moonsault. They're going to see a hundred of those throughout the night, you know, and they're going to see, you know, 25 to 30 characters throughout the night. So how do you make that audience remember you? They're not going to remember your name because if you if you win they hear your name on your entrance they hear your name on your exit 
if you lose, they hear your name at the beginning of the match. So they're probably not going to remember your name, right? Because I always go in with the mentality that, that everybody there is seeing a wrestling show for the very first time. So you have mm-hmm. to, you have to spoon feed, you know, you have to spoon feed your audience, your character, your story. Um, and now more than ever, because people are on their cell phones throughout the match. So if you're going to do something where the heel, you know, you go to lock up and the heel slaps the baby face in the face, you have to do that two or three times before you pay it back as the baby face. You know, you can go have the heel slap, you know, bully him around, whatever. Then you go to go to something and then the baby face ends up getting it back on the heel. You have to really get that slap over from the heel because of people being on their phones. You know, and I know, like, I don't know if everybody does this now, but I know NXT and WWE does it where they'll go, hey, you know, um, Tampa, make sure you're going on social media and hashtagging NXT Tampa tonight. You know, so they're driving people to their phones and Disney does it too. Universal does it. Everybody's doing it. You know, while you're in the theme park, you can't enjoy the theme park because they drive you to your phones to make reservations, to make fast passes. Like, so when I go to the theme parks now, I feel like I'm on my phone the whole time I'm there. (laughs) You know, we do it in wrestling now too. So um so you really have to slow everything down now and uh just spoon feed your story you know again like dude people want characters and storylines that they can relate to you know? yeah we've talked so much about the amazing moments that you've created with brian and rikishi as too cool what is your favorite too cool match um i always my go-to that i always say is it was february of 2007 um so this would have been right after the whole royal rumble which was like a career highlight moment, I think, where we we danced in the rumble at the garden. Um, so this would have been right after that was um, a 10-man tag on Raw. It was me, Brian, Rikishi, Cactus, Jack, and The Rock against um, Eddie, Benoit, Malenko, X-Pac, and Hunter. And then on the outside, you had, I'm sorry, no, Eddie wasn't in the match. He was on the outside because his arm was broke. So it was Eddie, it was, it was Dean, Perry, and Benoit. Hunter Xbox with Eddie on the outside, Stephanie on commentary, Tori on the outside, uh, Kane and Kane and Paul Bearer came in in the end. The New Age Outlaws came in the end. It was in Dallas, and the crowd was just uh, the crowd was just electric that night. You know, it was so that's my go-to. But a match that people bring up all the time is the, the Malenko match from Backlash, which yeah, you know, I guess. When we did it, it didn't seem like anything special, but I guess, you know, 20 years later, it was it kind of holds up and it was, you had two different styles, yeah. you know, and that's what, that's what was cool. And that's what makes wrestling cool, you know? Yeah. And, and that's what I think about the danger of the performance center is you have everybody being taught the exact same way by seven or eight coaches. They can all be right or they can all be wrong. All the opinions, right? It's, it's wrestling. Yeah. Like I said, you got to throw stuff against the wall. You never know what's going to work or what's going to take off. So what is right? I always say the only, only thing to me that is right is the way that sells tickets yeah. makes money, right? Yeah. You were so, so over as too cool. But I wonder, was there ever a moment where you went, I want this for myself. I want to be a single star. I, I could be intercontinental champion. Maybe I could be heavyweight champion one day. Did you ever think that? No, I, I don't remember thinking that. I mean, I'm sure in the moment, maybe I did, but I was having so much fun. Even though Brian and I, like we were they, on the outside of the ring, we were different people. There were times where we barely talked before we went through that curtain. Um, but when we did go through that curtain, it was magic, you know? And uh, it was just almost unexplainable how 
how magical it was and how we could turn it on from what it actually was to what people saw, you know? Yeah. And I think we, I think, you know, there were times like, I don't even know if he likes me, you know? <laughs> and I'm sure he thought the same thing, but, uh, I don't think we could deny like that we everybody involved in that whole thing knew there was something there was something special about it, you know. Well, at the end of the day, it didn't matter if you guys liked each other because Scotty no. Too Hotty and Grandmaster Sexay yeah. liked each other. Yeah, yeah. And you hear about that a lot with tag teams, you know, like for years, you know, it was like Hawk and Animal didn't like each other, and you know, Marty and Sean and you know, all these guys. And now I think it's a little bit different. It seems like guys get along a little bit better, but at the time, um, it was it was just it was crazy yeah we talked about it off the start but as we wrap this up i want to remind everyone about your brand new youtube channel which is just called scott garland right right now yeah right now i figured that was a safe bet for right now it's, you know i can't take that away from me so i just wanted to uh i did you know i was what happened was um right when i asked for my release i had all this free time and i had all these home movies from my kids that i've always wanted to get converted onto digital so i started converting all these you know guys like 50 different cassettes of home movies onto onto a private youtube channel for my family and then you know as i'm going through these boxes of tapes i have all of these independent matches from in, in moments from early in my career and interviews and all this different stuff i was like man i should upload this someplace and then and then i was like yeah, it'd be cool to do just like short little videos even when i go back out on the road you know if i'm in london like do a three minute video of my time in london whatever yeah. like it just gives me a platform a place to put all this stuff out there and uh i don't want to do a ton of editing i just kind of want to put it out there and i don't want to be that so whatever happens with it happens you know i'm not looking to make a million dollars off it and uh not that many people are on youtube i think <laughs> but uh you know, and just whatever happens with it happens. It just gives me an, uh, it just gives me a vehicle to kind of, again, promote myself and, and, and put some current stuff out there, put some old cool stuff out there that I even I forgot about, you know? Yeah. I just love the positivity that like oozes out of you. Like it, we need more of this in the world. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. I, I try to keep it that way. And that's why I don't like talking about the, um, you know, the way it ended. You know, like just say it, it ended and it is what it is. And uh, you got to be just be thankful for the 30 great years and the platform they gave me to, to do my thing. You know, yeah. so your personality you. is as bright as the sun that is peeking yeah. out behind your head. <laughs> that Florida sun, man. <laughs> you know, you talk about being thankful and I end every conversation with the same questions. So, Scott, for you, what are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Oh, my God. My girlfriend. Uh, and that sounds really corny and everything I know, but I went through a, you know, I went through some uh, tough few years through the relationship. And now I've got this girl who's just awesome and just, just perfect. You know, uh, my kids, um, so always so thankful for my kids and, and, uh, and just being able to still do this, um, 30 started in 89 so 32 yeah. years later i'm still doing this and i still i've had neck surgery back surgery but all that feels good my knees hips all that stuff feels feels great and so i'm just thankful like if you told me that i'd be able to still do this in 2022 i, I said you're crazy you know and i just i have such a unique situation where i'm, I'm able to do this go out there and deliver and it's i'm just so thankful for that you know yeah what a great conversation. Thank oh, you so thanks, much for man. your time. Thank you for I taking us to it. the beach with you today. <laughs> Sorry for all the distractions. But no, it's all dogs. good. I'm just glad we got a yeah. signal that worked. So I appreciate yeah, right. you. 
Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. There we go. What a super nice guy. And a big thank you to Scott for taking us to that beautiful dog park in Florida for this conversation. And a big thank you to you for being with us in that dog park for this chat. Give him a follow on Instagram, the Scott Garland. On Twitter, he's the Scotty Too Hottie. And take a screenshot. Let us know that you're listening to this one right now. I'm so excited to see what Scott has in store in 2022. And I'll leave you with this quote that I put on Instagram earlier this week. I love this. It's from F.M. Alexander, who says, people do not decide their futures. They decide their habits, and their habits decide their futures. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. Happy New Year. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.